Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, Njay Malay Ali, and my guest today is Reverend Julian Ellison. Reverend Ellison is an Albany, Georgia expatriate who has made his home in the New York metro area. Reverend Ellison joined the military right out of high school. After his tour of duty, he used his GI benefits to obtain a master's degree in economics at Columbia University in New York. He worked in numerous organizations that include the U.S. State Department, the Rockefeller Fund, and the Black Economic Research Center. He's published a host of journal articles on a variety of economic topics, and he also happens to be my brother. Good morning, Julian. Welcome to Blood and Spirit Podcast. Greetings. Thank you. Thank you. You actually wrote the book on our family history, and I'd love for you to share with our listeners how you went about doing that research. But first, I want to ask you uh, kind of a side question. Um, what's your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Well, let me ask correct something. I have a uh, doctorate from Columbia. You have um, the degree? Yeah. So um, it's no longer all but dissertation? No. Really? Oh, when did you get that? I didn't realize that. Well, that's been now since 74. Wow, congratulations. Awesome. It just, I mean, um, wow, that is, that's so good. And so you got to make sure that that's in your um, profiles online because uh, your online profiles are still saying masters. Well, I don't know where that came from because I haven't put it up there. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, I have the um, Certificate of African Studies from Columbia. Okay, that's a postgraduate certificate? Yeah. Okay, so that's where some of that, that expertise and how to um, do a lot of that um, research came from. Did, did that degree help you develop some of that expertise? Because uh, I know, I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about some of the conversations we've had about history because you know, you have a, a book in progress that you've done some extensive research on, and I'm just, um, did that degree in African studies help to um, help to hone some of your research skills? Uh, well, I guess you could say that because um, I did do a lot of research for, uh, for that degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so back to this other question. What is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Well, I guess I don't, I don't really have a uh, favorite drink. You don't? Now, that's an interesting thing. because one, And the reason I ask you that is because one of the things that, um, that I'm interested in is, is culture, uh, as we're doing in this um, in this podcast, but I'm also interested in culture as it relates to the drinks that people choose and, and the history of those drinks. So that's where that's coming from. So, um, so that's interesting that you don't have a favorite one. So moving right along, I want to uh, get into a little bit of your professional history and um, find out if the work that intrigues me is the same thing that also is very meaningful to you. So what, what are some of the most meaningful to you um, professional positions that you've had? Well, I was an economist at the Pentagon and um, let's see, I was an economist at uh, the Black Economic Research Center um, in Harlem. And um, I was um, an economist at the uh, Treasury Department. Um, and um, I uh, was an economist at uh, Brooklyn College. So, um, which was, were those positions equally meaningful to you? Well, they were important, important to me at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as you've, as you've uh, continued to grow uh, as an economist, is, does either one of them stand out as being particularly special? Well, um, the, 
Economic Research Center uh, position was uh, the most probably, well, let me see how I can put this. Um, I worked there because I had a mentor who founded that organization. Mm -hmm. And he founded that organization because when I was at the Pentagon, I took part in the um, first Black Power Conference. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of that conference, um, there was a um, the founder, uh, the founders and organizers of the conference um, had a um, a summary meeting uh, in which they they developed the um, um, basically the summary of it that they were going to give to the uh, public, and I was I was a, a part of that. And I think the guy who basically organized it was um, impressed by the fact that I was at the, the um, Pentagon at that time and the Black Power Conference was supposed to be a radical uh, black organization. So he thought it was, um, it showed some character for me to be there. And so he became a mentor. Ah, so. And uh, what was his name? Robert S. Brown. That's F as in Frank, Robert F. Brown? S as in Sam. S as in Sam, Robert S. Brown, founder of the uh, Black Economic Research Center, correct? Yes. And what all did you do there? Well, I was an economist, a senior economist. Well, not all of us know what economists do except think about economics. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a little bit of a little bit more about what, what your actual duties were and your actual uh, activities were. I did um, a lot of research um, and they published um, my first book, um, which was about uh, the oil industry in, in Africa, in African America. Fantastic. And, um, because at the time there was an oil crisis in the U.S., the price was high, the supply was low. And um, so I just wanted to see how especially that affected uh, black Americans. Uh, so. And how did that affect Black Americans? Um, well, I I, um, I didn't focus on Black America. Actually, I focused on Africa, and um, because at that time, because of the shortage of uh, oil, the major oil companies uh, were exploring Africa for sources of oil. And they found oil in Libya and in Nigeria and um, I think Angola. And um, the, the, the site in, in Nigeria uh, developed into a major source of uh, oil for Europe and, and the U.S. I see. So... That history, uh, all of your, your work in those areas, you're maintaining your connection with, um, you know, black economic research, um, you know, even through all of your, your working in the U.S. government, you maintained a, a real, um, what seems to be a real genuine interest in uh, African and African-American progress. Because at one point you, you worked on the Six Pan-African Congress, correct, in 1973? Right. And how was that? What was that experience like? It took place in uh, 74. Mm -hmm. I was organizing in 73. Okay. Uh, um, that uh, was because of my interest in Pan-Africanism. And um, Pan-Africanism 
was um, um, pursued by um, by SNCC and then by uh, groups that developed out of SNCC, the SNCC form of SNCC personnel, including Stokely Carmichael and um, um, some other people. Mm-hmm. And um, what Pan-Africanism is, is um, uh, the idea that um, all Africans um, should act together mm-hmm. uh, in a unified way. And one of the first things about that is to identify who is an African. And um, uh, at that time, the um, Africans were um, um, residents of Africa plus um, uh, places where the slave trade had, had, uh, had taken Africans, like the United States and Brazil. Um, and at that time, I didn't know much about Africans in the Pacific, but uh, I found out that there's a place called Melanesia in the South Pacific, which is right next to um, uh, Australia. Um, and black people live there. Um, now, the 6th Pan-African Congress took place in uh, Tanzania, and um, I was the Associate Secretary General for North America of the 6th Pan-African Congress. Wow. And um, in Tanzania, there was a guy from Melanesia who was attending the University of Tanzania, um, and he became a Pan-Africanist during that period. Uh, later on, his country um, had a, a representative at the UN who was black, uh, African-American. Um, and that guy, Robert Van Lirup, uh, had an office and his organization um, was in a, in, a, in a room of the house where the Black Economic Research Center was next to my office. And um, um, most of the, the efforts of that organization were to um, to free from colonialism uh, Portuguese, Guinea, Angola, and Mozambique. And this guy went to all of them, and he brought um, the head of the the movement, the the uh, anti uh, the liberation movement in um, Portuguese Guinea to the United States, um, and promoted that guy's book. And ultimately, um, of course, uh, Portuguese Guinea and all the, the Portuguese colonies in Africa became independent, largely as a result of that guy's um, efforts. So that's amazing. So that means that the Six Pan African Congress had a had a real on the ground impact on liberation movements in Africa. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, is is uh, was all of that involvement and in that uh, I suppose a natural curiosity about uh, an an interest in and plus it was it was the you know the the end of the sixties when um, the liberation movements that had started in Africa you know took fire also in the United States there were you know there was um, we had our Black Panthers we had uh, the Civil Rights Movement we had the Nation of Islam there was there was just so much uh, activity going on around that time, I guess it would be hard to not be infected with that. But was that part of your inspiration for uh, searching for our family roots? Uh, not directly. Um, I just um, was interested in, in our family and um, 
you know, its its origins and and uh, spread in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I started talking to uh, Mubba and eventually to Mamis and to um, some of Mamis came from um, Mamis and Granny came from um, Camilla. That's our grandparents on my mother's side. one point right after I first got married um, um, my wife and I went down to um, to Camilla and talked to some of the um, uh, the ancestors the relatives uh, in Camilla there was also a guy there from um, Newton uh, who liked Barbara Barbara didn't reciprocate um, a sister. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we got uh, some information from them, and um, but we uh, we didn't know everything at that time. For example, we didn't know that Daddy had uh, another family. Well, we knew that that he had a, a daughter. Uh, who's older, a year older than me, by another woman. Uh, but we didn't know that he had uh, two sons by another woman. And uh, when did that information uh, emerge? Well, it didn't emerge until uh, maybe three or four years ago when uh, one of the sons, who's a lawyer and a, and a minister, um, who lives in uh, a suburb of Atlanta uh, came down and talked to Barry. Ronald. I think he was talking to Ronald. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Barry was dead by then. But he talked to Ronald because they had a, a common uh, friend. And um, he told, uh, he gave uh, Ronald his number who gave it to me and I talked to him. But at that time, I just had a stroke. I was in the hospital. And um, uh, I kind of lost touch with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's something that I really want to um, do. You know, I put that energy out actually on a daily basis to um, be able to reconnect with him um, and find out. It turns out that... I, it, he said that both he and his uh, younger brother, I think it was, were... Uh, his older brother. His older brother. And it was the older brother who had already passed? Yeah. Yeah, I really want to uh, reconnect with him because, you know, um, some, of, some of our siblings, you know, were uh, angered by that because, you know, they were, they were angry that, that daddy had, um, had had an outside family, but... For me, it, it doesn't matter, <clears throat> you know, how they came about. They came about, and uh, I want to know. I want to know them and um, whatever other information that we can gather about that. You know, a lot of times, um, those, those are, the, are many of the secrets that families have that, that cause some um, deep-down divisions in families. And I think if we can accept each other, as being present on this earth and uh, having purpose. And certainly if we share in DNA, then, you know, we can get past some of all that other stuff. So yeah, I want to find him again. And, um, and I'm going to take this moment to say thank you for, for doing that, initiating that search and then putting it into a form, a book that we can actually be able to uh, easily pass on to our next generations and encourage other families to do the same thing. So you, you did it the old fashioned way for the most part, right? You went, you did interviews with folks. You went to um, some of the state houses, um, got information. How'd you, how'd you, what were your information gathering techniques? Well, after uh, mother died, you put something on the uh, internet um about that and um a woman from california saw it and she contacted
contacted you, and um, I later called her, and um, we um, we talked a lot, and um, eventually uh, it turned out that she'd gotten a lot of her information from a woman that lives in uh, Georgia now, somewhere, I forget exactly where, up around Macon, I think. And um, um, that woman uh, had a lot of information about um, our family, including uh, the names of um, Grandma Janie's um, siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't. I never knew that Grandma Janie had any siblings before this. This was uh, only a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so right, we found a cousin Pam as a result of um, mother passing and her her obituary being online. Pam uh, learned about it, contacted us, and now that has grown into uh, getting even more information. But that was late in the game. You had already um, put gathered all the stuff that all the information that you had gathered back before um, before mother passed. Yeah. You had gathered a bunch and uh and put that together. So what were your techniques at that time? Well, um as I said, just talking to Mamish and Granny. I mean Mamish mainly. Because I think Granny might have been yeah, Granny was dead too by that time. Um and um my my niece had a sister called Aunt Nerves. I don't know what her real name was, but she Arilla, was. Arilla Floyd. Yeah. Anyway, she um, she also uh, she used to visit my niece. Turns out that she was the first one in her family to go with Granny. Um, what do you Granny, mean, go with Granny? Well, uh, to date him or whatever. Who was? Orilla. A nerve? Yeah. A nerve was his. Oh, oh, okay. Before, okay, I'm okay. I'm getting my generations mixed up. Okay, <laughs> okay. So she. That's an interesting story. So, so Mamisa's sister dated the man that Mamis wound up marrying before she did. Yeah. That's interesting. She used to come up to um, to visit um, her sister. Um, I think that she never married. And um, uh, when we went down to Camilla, she was one of the ones that we talked to. Um, anyway, so that was uh, basically the first... Uh, uh, extensive uh, uh, research that I did. I got a lot of stuff from Mubba and Mamish, but other than that, that was uh, the first time I'd uh, talked to anybody else about it. I see. And well, you have a, an immense amount of information in your book, so I, and I'm guessing you didn't get all that from Mubba and Mamish, so you had no, to. I, well, you know any. Any name that came up, I uh, I researched it. And How? Like by looking at books and, and uh, stuff. Um, for example, um, um, the history of Albany, the history of Camilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote to the librarian down there. That was a book uh, with the history of Camilla. And the only copy of it, I think, was in uh, Camilla, in the Camilla Public Library. So I called the public library and had them to send a, a, a few pages from that book uh, to me. And that's where I got most of my information about um, Camilla. Now, what's what uh, might be of some interest is that the founder of Albany was also the founder of Camilla and of several other uh, 
communities in southwest Georgia. Nelson Tift. What's that? Nelson, Nelson Tift. Tift. Yeah. And his father was a um, um, hotel owner, I think, on, an, on one of the uh, Florida Keys right opposite the mouth of um, um, the river that the um, the Flint River flows into. It became becomes... The Apalachicola. Yeah. Um, so he had come up to Albany. Albany is the head of navigation on the Flint River. Mm-hmm. And he had come up initially um, up the river from um, where his father had, had his hotel on the key. And but he decided to to when he founded Albany, he uh, he came from Augusta or Savannah, somewhere in that area, mm-hmm. and across across country until he got to uh, the Flint River, and then he founded Albany. Very interesting. How, uh, when you did your search, were you able to? Um, also see, in addition to the, to the DNA that you were, you know, the, the family lines that you were able to unearth, were you also able to get a sense of a family culture that was being passed on from generation to generation? Um, well, no, that wasn't, at, at that time, that wasn't my interest. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get into that. Okay. So talk about some of the some of the values that you are aware of, some of the culture that um was created for you. I mean, you're you're a few years older than me and actually I was still pretty small when you um when you went off to the army. Um I think what we're about what, 15 years apart or something like that? Yeah. And um so, you know, you you experienced a different aspect you know our father died when i was you know less than a year old and uh, so you had that experience of being in the house with him so talk about some of the values and uh, memories that really stuck with you from from those years well um i wasn't thinking in those terms then um and i don't the only thing i remember uh clearly is um, his stories about um, being in the army in New Guinea, and um, he had uh, some kimonos that he brought back from Japan. Now, wow. mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know uh, anything about the history of World War II, but uh, after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Um, they basically controlled uh, most of the land masses of the islands in the Pacific. And so the United States, um, as a strategy, wanted to roll back that control of the Pacific. So they developed uh, the Pacific theater of the war because um, they were still fighting Japan at the time. And, and not Japan, Germany. Uh, in the Atlantic, so um, so uh, Daddy had been in in the uh, Navy. He had volunteered for the Navy in the late thirties, and he got out of the Navy around nineteen thirty nine and nineteen forty. And he later, well, he had uh, the one daughter, Frances. Um, and then he married Moa and had the rest of us. Um, and during, um, right after, I guess it was, well, it was in 1944, I think, that he was drafted into the army. Um, and he was trained, uh, along the West Coast from, I think he even went as far north as uh, Vancouver, Washington. 
Oh, 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 excuse me. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but you're saying that a person who had already volunteered for military service was now being drafted? Yep. That's outrageous. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is outrageous. Um, I found that out from, I, I wrote to the, uh, the Army's uh, archives, which are in St. Louis, and asked for Daddy's records. And they sent me um, everything. Well, first of all, the histories, they had pamphlets uh, containing the history of the war or various uh, um, theaters of the war. And they sent me virtually all the stuff about uh, the Pacific Theater and the training for um, um, the advance of American forces in the Pacific. Daddy was um, trained at uh, various bases along the West Coast, including, I think, Vancouver, um, uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, around Portland and uh, I think down around uh, San Francisco. Um, and um, then uh, they were shipped out. I think I had the name of the ship, at least in one, one uh, draft of that book that you have. And um, they shipped out. And mm -hmm. the first places they went, what they tried to do, is, I don't know if you ever looked at a, a map of the Pacific, but there... <laughs> Not that detail. Yeah, there's a series of islands um, north from, northeast from um, New Guinea. So New Guinea was the first... Uh, place that they attacked and daddy was um, assigned to New Guinea now uh, as far as I know he was uh, a cook um, because most black guys that went into that were drafted uh, were not permitted to uh, to have weapons um, so but daddy, but they, because they were in hostile territory, they sometimes had to uh, to get guns to, to serve as guards and uh, scouts and what have you. So one story that uh, daddy told me, told us, was that uh, at one time he was put on guard duty around a uh, an ammo bunker in in New Guinea. Now, uh, it turns out from the, uh, the the documents that were sent to me from the archives, um, he was assigned to a, a place in northeast New Guinea, mm -hmm. Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. And um, during that period, he, he had to serve uh, on guard duty. Uh, at an ammo bunker in the jungle. Wow. So, so he did have weapons, huh? Well, at that time, he, he uh, was forced to, to have weapons. And so uh, I think I told you this before. He, while on guard duty, he heard uh, uh, some crashing and stuff in the jungle. And, and what they teach you to say is, uh, who goes there? Um, and he didn't get an answer. So uh, he emptied his, his weapon into the, the uh, direction of the noise. Mm -mm -mm. The noise should have spoken, I think. Well, in the morning, uh, people came out and relieved him of, of, uh, on duty. And it turns out that he had killed a, a mule. A mule? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so um, 
tells his story about New Guinea. Wow. <laughs> and um, they moved, the, the Americans moved northeast toward Japan. And he served in uh, the Philippines and then in, um, in Hiroshima, right after they dropped the bomb. Mm, 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 uh, mm. So it's very likely that he was um, he was sick from um, uh, nuclear radiation. My goodness. Uh, anyway, that's where he. I suppose that's where he got his kimonos that he that he brought home. Mm-hmm. And um, shortly after that. Um, he was taken. He was brought back to the U.S. and um, discharged. Um, I think in time for Barry's birth. Well, well, Mubble probably got got pregnant just after he uh, uh, was discharged. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara was born while he was still at. Um, um, What's that? Um, that fort near Columbus. Benning. Yeah, Fort Benning. While he was at Fort Benning, Mother brought me uh, up to visit him, and uh, I suppose somewhere around that time, uh, he, Mother got pregnant with Barbara, and she was born. Um, in 44, um, just about that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came back and just settled in and, um, had the rest of the kids. Um, now, um, so it's important to know the, um, the history of the U.S. Uh, war effort in the Pacific. Uh, the head of that effort was uh, General Douglas MacArthur, um, who ran for con- for, for president in uh, was it fifty two? I think it was fifty two. Um, that's the first. Um, um, what do you call it? First presidential election that I remember. And I remember being, we lived at that time on Monroe Street across from what used to be uh, Monroe High School. But they changed it um, subsequently to something else. Um, and I remember being in that, that uh, in the kitchen with Mubber, um, we used to get a um, a newspaper at school, and they were talking about the uh, election. And I think that I um, was a, a favorite. Uh, it was I. I, uh, I favored uh, Adlai Stevenson uh, for president that year. Um, anyway, uh, that's what. Uh, um, um, Douglas MacArthur was a hero, and they had a song about him. Old soldiers never die, mm. never die, never die. Old soldiers never die. They just fade away. Okay. So I used to um, go around singing that song. Um. I think I was in the third grade when uh, during that period. Um, anyway, that was uh, World War Two and up until 1952. So I guess that was the year that that Rod and Rowena were born. Uh, and we only had uh, two bedrooms. So all the kids, well, except the youngest kids, 
slept in one room, and mother and daddy and uh, the, the, the two kids, two youngest kids, slept in uh, the other room. And there was a kitchen. Go ahead. Uh, what's that? Go ahead. Yeah, so um, that was a big part of our lives at the time. How did you feel about that? About what? About um, having to share a room, living in one room. The, you know, did that, did that come through to you as a challenge or just that's just life and you just move through life? Well, I think that when Barbara was born, we were living on Lincoln. Not when Barbara, when, when Marilyn was born. Uh, when mother got pregnant with 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 Marilyn, I I think I said something to her like, uh, "While well, we have more kids, can't even take care of these." Wow. Which I got a smack in the mouth. I remember. You started your economic study early in life, huh? <laughs> well, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't consider it economics at the time. I just. But that's what it was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then the kids just kept coming. So that was uh, World War Two in this aftermath. Well, that is a uh, uh, interesting and amazing interface with uh world war ii that i never knew we had and i'm and uh the fact that you found out so much uh information through the army's um archives i think is a good clue for some other families who've not yet searched out some histories that may um be able to use that resource as well so the archives of the um u.s army such as they are some of i know some of those records have been uh, were lost, quote unquote, right. lost in a fire. And I don't remember what year that fire was, but uh, so some of those things are lost, but whatever can be, whatever can be gathered like that, uh, that's a source for families to find out uh, some more of their family histories, talking to family people. Um, then, as you said, looking in some of the, some basic history books. And um, you also did some name searches as well, right? Search what? names. Uh, did you do some some looking into plantation life? Uh, some of those names, slave ship records, and stuff like that. Well, um, at some point, I started looking um, at uh, the history of of uh, uh, the area around Albany. And the source for that was uh, one of the autobiographies of uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, in which he talked about um, the fact that in 1820, the United States outlawed the slave trade. Um, so they put naval ships a naval blockade on the west coast of Africa. So at that point, um, uh, until that point, most of the slaves came from West Africa. After that, uh, many of them came from um, East Africa and South Africa um, to outflank the uh, the, uh, the the cordon around uh, Africa by the U.S. Navy. Mm -hmm. They um, they came, they landed uh, not on the uh, east coast uh, of Georgia, Florida, and, uh, you know, the southern states, but in Alabama and Louisiana. And then they, they um, formed caravans where they walked from um, where they landed uh, many times near uh, Mobile uh, to uh, to Southwest Georgia. And wow! So that 
that might be where we came from. I don't know. Uh, although, um, looking at the um, the Census Bureau, the censuses of those years, that every 10 years there's a census. That was another source of information. Um, every 10 years there's a census. And so once you find the names of... Um, of people who lived uh, um, uh, mainly during the post-Civil post, uh, War period, uh, you can trace their um, their parents and grandparents through the census. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Using that mechanism, um, I found that some certain of our ancestors uh, go back to a, about... Um, 1820, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them were uh, Indians. The Indians were that lived in in uh, Georgia, in southeast Georgia, southwest Georgia, were the Creeks, um, and they lived in uh, in Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. And so we had. Um, um, some ancestors who were Creeks, um, as well as um, African. I see. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, further on, uh, they, some were white too. So um, that was uh, a good source for some information. So there are quite a few challenges in um, in collecting up a whole, a, a complete history. Um, it's good to know, however, and at the same time, that there are ways to get past uh, some of those barriers in um, in those older generations. And going forward, we can we can definitely provide uh, our oncoming generations with. Um, a good five generations of almost, you know, very close to complete records of the people. And uh, going forward, that's, that's going to be very, very beneficial um, for those generations. I think that have it, had we had, you know, full knowledge of uh, all those generations, I think it would make a difference in the way that we um, approach our lives. I think that we would, we would see, um, we would we would have a better picture of those aspects of our history and culture that we want to keep and, and those aspects of history and culture and genetics that we want to do away with, uh, not take forward. Um, but whatever it is, it, uh, just knowing what is, is uh, very beneficial. Well. Go ahead. It, it turns out that... Um... The Mormon Church has uh, copied all of the U.S. censuses and put them online. So Ancestry.com, that goes all the way back to to Africa. So you can find out uh, more about your family and its its origins um, from Ancestry.com. And there might be other places that you can get it too, but that's certainly one of them. I think it might have been the first. Mm-hmm. In the interest of also um, promoting family conversations, um, I, I do like that approach of of beginning with talking with the family members and getting those first clues and and uh, being able to not only get uh, information about the you know the name date and location also some information about the personality and and activity of those people um through life which is what some of what you did with with the uh army records you know those records give give a little bit richer um perspective on once you find the names what what was a person like i mean what did they do and stuff like that. So, um, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much for, for all of that. And, um, 
I know I'd like to, to talk to you some more because you, you're just a, um, a treasure of information, historical information. And um, so let me ask you um, one final question. What would um, be the advice that you would give to um, your 20-year-old self? Well, um, I, unlike you, I don't think that um, uh, just talking to living ancestors is a particularly fruitful way of, of getting a history of the family. I think the, uh, the Mormon records are the, the, uh, the best source of information about black people that's available now. Um, now, there, if you um, know, if you study slavery and um, get the names of some of the ships that were um, uh, involved in the slave trade, you can perhaps find where they um, where they sailed to in Africa and get more information about the origin of of, uh, of uh, people and black people in in the United States and in 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 the Caribbean and in Brazil uh, and maybe other other places that I haven't really thought much about like Argentina and Ecuador and um, those countries down there. Um, so for the future, that's where I would I would start because there's much more uh, information there than there is in the memories of um, of people. Like for example, I asked Mother a lot of questions that she didn't have the answers for. That's one of the reasons that we went down to Camilla because she didn't have the answers to to many of the questions that I asked. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's the value of the conversation that I was referring to, just because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in, in that process, um, I mean, which is a different value. You don't necessarily get all the the dates, times, and places. It's the value of actually just sitting down and having those conversations with those um, with the elders and being able to to uh, absorb uh, some some wisdom and some nuance that um, you may never have if you had not just asked the question. So that's the aspect I was talking about. Okay. Well, I guess um, since I was the first one in the family to start this, uh, I was looking for more facts than I was um, in the interaction of, 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 of people. Or in one generation. Spoken like a true economist. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, so that's what I, I was looking for, uh, for basic facts about uh, the family. Well, you certainly gathered a lot of those, and um, they definitely um, have provided us with, with an opportunity to meet more people than we had been exposed to earlier in life. And it's a, um, a valuable record that we'll be able to pass on to the next generations. And I want to thank you for that again. Can't really thank you enough for that work and for inspiring me also to, to go a little bit deeper to, uh, and also encourage other families to do the same thing, which is what blood and spirit is all about. So I asked you also about um, advice to, you, to a young man um, like yourself, starting out in life, decide, making decisions, and uh, using, whether consciously or unconsciously, the values and the, and the collection of, of data that you, that you have from your family, early family life. What would be your advice for your 20-year-old self going um, to to have the best life possible? Well, I, um, 
training and for kids to get a basic ed- education. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't have been able to do any of this stuff unless I had uh, studied it in um, um, in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'd studied the, the, the general uh, history of of, uh, of black people, and the way I did that was just to look at what people in older generations had written. And key among those is uh, W. B. Du Bois uh, wrote four or five dissertations. I mean, not dissertations, histories of his life, autobiographies, and that's a treasure trove of, of information about uh, black people during slavery and, and afterward. Uh, so I would uh, tell people to, first of all, go to college so that you can learn about the existence of people like Du Bois. And if you learn about him, you start to see some of the things that he did that he um, was a member of, of uh, many organizations that were involved with uh, with studying the black past and um, and trying to um, influence the black future. For example, um, the question of pan-Africanism um, basically starts with Du Bois. He was uh, the founder of the first five Pan-African Congresses. Um, um, well, those were the Du Bois uh, Congresses, the first black Af- of the uh, Pan-African Congress um, was by um, another guy whose name I forget, but which is in my in that book you have. Um, he had the first uh, Pan-African Congress. Where he got that from, I don't know. Uh, du Bois' uh, history is, is fairly extensive. So I know that um, the concept of Pan-Africanism, uh, Du Bois uh, took from uh, the Pan-Germans because he studied for the PhD in Germany. And um, Pan-German, that was an attempt to uh, unify Germany during that period. And one of the um, the organizations, one of the ideas was uh, Pan-Germanism. So he applied that, that concept to Africans when he got back home. And uh, that's where Pan-Africanism developed from. Wow. Um, Mm. And it's it's very important that people uh, understand uh, what is known about um, where they came from um, and follow those those uh, ideas up and and um, all this other stuff will will flow from that. You'll see the the names of many people in many organizations, and that will lead you to uh, to others, and um, so you can get to where I got in that book, and even further because uh, the stuff about Daddy, for example, I only I didn't put any of that I don't think in the the first draft of that book. Um, I only did that later uh, because I was interested in that that uh, daddy's uh, family, and it was not available. Grandma Janie, um, when I first got married, not Grandma Janie, um, um, uh, daddy's sister, Auntie Flossie. Yeah, she she told me that. In, in her house, in the attic, they had lots of stuff about uh, Grandma Janie and that she was going to let me see it, but she never did. Um, and then uh, her, her kids moved away from Albany. So 
no, and they didn't want to be found. <laughs> so they were renting the house out, but the people that that they were that were renting the house would not give me the um, the address or telephone number of them. Right. So I, I never I never was able to follow up on that that information. Right. That's one of those um, family rifts, you know, that um, that has has a lot of, um, you know, just it works its way into the whole society. And it's unfortunate. And uh, at least I can say that that is being healed uh, to some degree now because um, we are in touch with the last with the remain the last actually remaining um, member of that lineage mm -hmm. um so so that's good our cousin uh he's in touch and that's great you know so um cousin? winthrop ah okay yeah well, does he have any any information i mean that aside from his own personal uh, experiences not very much uh, and um Somehow, some of the um, memorabilia, family photos, etc., um, got caught up again in um, in another, you know, set of family rifts. Uh, his brother, uh, John Napoleon, passed a couple of years ago, and his wife um, had some of the. You know, it took it took quite a while for for uh, Winthrop to be able to get some of those documents from her and um and i'm not sure that he's he has gotten all that exists yet so um so but we do he was able to provide me with uh some more pictures of daddy some that I'd never seen before so those are nice and um copies of those oh definitely absolutely uh, trying to send stuff um we got to get your your computer situation worked out so I can get that to you that way because me and the okay. U.S. mail are I'm 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 more of a snail than the U.S. mail is when it comes to getting something in the mail but I, I'll make it happen. All right, I was talking today to Shalita about buying a uh, printer because um, we we had uh, the Geek Squad in here to try to put the uh, computer back in working order and um, to try to connect it to the printer, but the printer evidently is gone, so we got to get another one. Okay. Uh, well, I'll get those documents to you, and um, we won't, we'll let our uh, listening audience um, let us figure out our the, the details of sharing our family history, but, you know, and it's, it's valuable because other people are going to have some of the same issues, technical difficulties, um, internet difficulties, gathering the information difficulties, and, and you have to be able to, um, to step over all that stuff. And so I'm going to make a commitment right this very minute to um, print out these pictures on my end and put them in the U.S. mail and get them to you. Okay, good. So um, that's... <laughs> But one thing that I think people ought to recognize is that there's a, um, a major organization in the United States government and that they collect lots of data on a uh, regular basis. And so when you uh, are attempting to find stuff out about your family, you might be able to find some of that in uh, the records that... Uh, um, that exist already. And which of those records should people um, focus on? But you said well, you mentioned the census. What else? Well, uh, as I was thinking about it, Rod uh, went down and was uh, looking through the um, the property records in 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 Doherty County. Yes. And. Um, I think those are those kinds of records are, are good uh for for family history. Absolutely. Um, so 
if you have time to, to go down and just sit down and look at the stuff, it's probably there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing I didn't think about is uh, looking at uh, voting records, for example. Ah, yes. Um, and people, I mean, you can find out uh, a lot of, for example, um, I don't. I still don't know um, how I, I, um, uh, how I fared in that election of, I guess it was 1980. Uh, I don't have uh, how many people voted for me or anything, mm. and you get that from the um, uh, whoever's in charge of uh, of voting in Georgia. Um, but I just haven't had a chance to do that. Um, of all the things that I had to do, you know, that was not foremost in my mind. But um, that's a record. And um, um, if anybody has the time, you can just point them in that direction. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, we have run out of time for today. And I really, really, again, I appreciate um, all the insights that you provided. And I'm going to be talking with you some more because um, a lot of what you have, I I definitely want to be on the record um, for a lot of the the information that you just have in your head. That's uh, not just about the family, but about um, U.S. um, history and, and world history and those perspectives I would like to get uh, on the record. So we're going to make a date to make that happen. And uh, thanks again for being with us today, okay? All right. All right. Thank you. And that's it for Blood and Spirit. That's what it's about. Y'all have a great day. Okay, you too.